Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 275 of the No Encore Music Podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm joined by the wonderful, the illuminating oh. Craig Fitzpatrick. Thank you. Not looking too bad yourself. <laughs> what can I say, man? It's this uh, strange late May. Now. That seemed <laughs> slightly too sarcastic. Nice. I, yeah, it's a bit too nice. You know what I mean? We've kind of reached a level of... Thank you. Thank you. We're going to move on. This. We're going to move Locked on. We've down. had our we've had our hearts broken by the football this week, Craig, as two Man United okay, fans, but we're, we're going to move right not. past it, and we're going to get our heart broken all over again on this episode. When we get to our album review in a few minutes' time, we're going to be reviewing Sour, the debut album from Olivia Rodrigo. Sour. She's a <laughs> sour. <laughs> uh, straight into the Drada accent. I love it. You know? Yes. Um, Take that off. Did you hear now? that new album from your one? It's Sour. Uh, so basically, right, Olivia Rodrigo, she's an American teen sensation and uh, has this new record out it's all about teenage heartbreak and stuff so craig and i of course are the the perfect two men to, <laughs> to review this one uh luckily later in the show we'll be joined by alice kiernan a musician from dublin she's been on the show before a big taylor swift fan we had her on for the lover album review i believe and uh, delighted yep. to welcome her back on later in the show uh patreon.com slash no encore by the way if you want to help support this thing you get bonus episodes we're going to be recording a new no ox chord pretty soon uh, playlists, previews, and our undying love. And of course, the main event on this week's episode is Top 5 Songs About Driving in Honour 
of Olivia Rodrigo's breakout hit, Driver's License. Driver's License. Yeah, this is our is least a- like qualified episode ever. So I we're think doing it's okay. This teenagers album. Neither yeah. of us can drive. Is that I correct? can't drive. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought you maybe could. Anyway. Yeah. No. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I think I can make a car move around. Like I've done it before, but not. Wow, that's confident. Legally, I don't know. <laughs> um, and strangely, like I don't know, like like weirdly amorous of you. I can make a car move around. So basically, oh, I can right, make it move around. All right. We'll, so we'll, um, we'll see you later. <laughs> Should note as well that um, if we did release a song called Driver's License, if we had a driver's license, uh, it wouldn't be all in lowercase with no apostrophe. But that's how Olivia Rodrigo does it. She's cool. Maybe we're not. We're going to find out. But for now, it's straight into the news and review of the week. Is there some music to go with that? I think there might be. about the good news uh keeping adam shanahan sonic architect extraordinaire on his toes with that one he is back this week Worth thanks it. so much by the way to david tapley of tandem felix fame for editing us last week hugely needed and important adam had a week off yeah. and uh, in honor of tapley by the way he texted me this morning and asked me if we were going to mention this on the show this week and i said i don't think so but i'll just throw it out there happy 80th birthday to bob dylan it was Bobby his birthday D. week it feels like it's been his birthday week for about six weeks, but, uh, you know, I guess when you when you hit that age and, and you do all the things he's done in music, he deserves an Achilles-like situation, so good for him. Um, yeah, apart from that, one thing Bob Dylan won't be doing, by the way, Craig, I, I can give you that much, he won't be headlining Primavera Sound when it returns next year for itself. Pretty much like a week of music, right? It's like two weekends and stuff. Yeah, There's everyone huge names. else is headlining or playing within music. It's 11 days. Yeah, you got a lot of names here. Pavement, The Strokes, Massive Attack, Tyler the Creator, Tame Impala, Megan the Stallion, Yeah Yeah Yeahs are back, Interpol, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Gorillas, and I suppose the big headline is Lord is back, and she will be, you know, going into the next phase of Lorddom at this. Uh, are you going? You've kept your tickets to Cancel Festivals I my, now? I kept my tickets, so um, I think I have till the 31st to decide which weekend I want. I believe like you can you can then go to like the midweek dates, so hopefully I'll get at least five days. I don't know if I'll upgrade. 11 days sounds like a very, very long festival, right? Also, the, the wild card is, I don't know, <laughs> that wedding that's been put off for a year now, two years, may just be falling around then as well, so... How does this just keep happening to you? I I don't understand it. Um, I mean, this has to be red wedding level of of incident, I think, now when it happens. Of course, in a happier version, I hope. But your friends really have to roll it out. Do they know the struggles that you're going through? They're aware, but I think maybe their priorities are with the kind of imminent union for the rest of their lives as opposed to my music festival which i think is like you know skewed priorities to be quite honest a bunch of savages in that town by the sounds of things man selfish and inconsiderate but best of luck to them and best luck to everyone did you have a gander at the lineup and kind of i did yeah probably won't be going but would you have a specific weekend you'd go for after you decipher the horrible horrible graphic design the poster yeah jesus christ what is it with festival posters and just the degradation thereof um, I was having a chat with this with Nyla Nine the other day, and I was saying, like, if there's nothing on it that would grab me enough to go. And he was saying, please stop reading my buzz, Dave. That's <laughs> just like, okay, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's who I am. Yeah, but Barcelona, like, beaches, some of the best acts on the planet. <laughs> I just think I'm, I'm all festivaled out, as we know. And I just think, That's I mean, true. like, there's not, like, there's no Frank Ocean. There's no Nine Inch Nails. I can't stand Lord. It's not enough for me to, like, you know. Sky Ferreira. 
Sky Ferreira is on it, which is genuinely yeah. surprising. I guess we're finally yeah, getting that second surprising. album or third album. Nonetheless, um, you've spoken up big about Euro festivals before, though, right? You said that like they 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 leave Irish ones in the dirt. Isn't that what you said? I mean, Something it's like a different vibe. It's kind of the weather. It's maybe a lot to do with the people as well. I uh, know it's not. It's it it is totally the weather. When you know that you're going to get guaranteed sunshine for the duration, it just makes everything so much easier. As much as we yeah. kind of like to like romanticize the you know getting the rain jackets on and oh the heavens open but it was an amazing performance you don't really want that who romanticizes you know? that what kind of People maniac do, you do know they? spirits are never drowned I, i'll never forget you drowned. i'll never forget you at that forbidden fruit that time Damn when um when um lisa hannigan was on stage with the staves in kilmainham forbidden fruit and like uh, everyone had like ponchos on. It was thundering down. At one stage, Craig just looks over his shoulder and starts chuckling. And you turned to me and everyone who would listen. And you went, you went, look around. Everyone is fucking miserable. <laughs> As the staves <laughs> and Lisa Hannigan sang some like funereal theme tune. It was just like, yeah, this is awful weather. Yeah. It makes a difference. Uh, if you could control the weather with your mind, though, Craig, I mean, maybe that's something you could look into. I put out a question this week on Twitter. I asked people, I said, uh, can you think of an act an artist or a band that you uh, once adored and then went off to such a degree that you're just still a bit confused by the whole thing. And I, I chose I chose Muse as my example. Would you have an answer to that question? Seeing as you didn't weigh in on Twitter, I suppose you're too busy living it up with all your viral people, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, That's how it works, right? Maybe Razorlight in terms of like the first album I was really into and I was like willing them on for the second one and then they fell off. But I think at the time I recognised it to an extent. Probably a lot of those kind of landfill indie bands. Uh, Muse is a good one. Is that from the perspective of like even the early good albums are now ruined for you because of the shenanigans? I wouldn't say that they're fully ruined. Um, I went back and I listened to Origin of Symmetry because that's turning 20 this year, which is kind of scary. I think that they're pretty good up until and including most of Black Holes and Revelations, but then they really Mm. go off a bad cliff. And it does make it hard to go back to, I suppose. And even Origin of Symmetry, like I listened to it there the other day and I'm like, yeah, it still bangs in places, but it's also a bit boring. Um, Anyway, the point is, Matt Bellamy frontman of Muse, has joined a small number of Silicon Valley venture capital firms in putting a lot of money into a company called Mind Portal, which is created by two British former medical students who want to augment the human mind. Mind Portal will be designing a device it hopes will enable people to control computers, robots, virtual reality characters and drones. There you go. Uh, with the mind alone before eventually being used to modulate mental health, boost memories, and allow for telepathic communication between two people. Uh, This company has raised quite a lot of money. We're talking millions here, amongst a lot of different people, including Matt Bellamy, whose name came up. Um, I have to say, when... When the world eventually, you know, gets ready to pivot to the plotline of a Deus Ex game, I didn't yeah. anticipate that Matt Bellamy would be involved, but I guess it does kind of make a weird kind of sense. I totally anticipated that, but what I'm shocked at is that he seems to have gone over to the dark side. I thought he would be fighting against this. I thought drones were bad, but... um. I mean, this is the exact thing I feared, Um, you know, with Tom DeLong as well. Like, who's he working for? Who's he the kind of... The mouthpiece for all our visionary artists, Dave, are being co-opted. Um, I, joking aside, this is probably a good thing for, I mean, it sounds very frivolous, but then you think of like the implications it could have for, you know, paralyzed people and things like there's a lot of good that could be done with this. Um, 
But at the moment, the options, um, if you want to get your brain augmented, seem to be getting it done by Elon Musk or getting it done by Matt Bellamy's crew. So I'm going to wait it out for a bit, I think. Yeah, I appreciate the positive aspect of this, the potential positives, but also, you know, could also be Skynet and that wouldn't be great. But you talk about musical visionaries of yore and it's time to revisit the wonderful Billy Corgan who this week has been reflecting wistfully on his career. Uh, he spoke to a podcast, where else these days, I suppose, uh, called Not Best podcast, Advice. Billy. Well, he's welcome on any time. Um, he talked about lots of stuff, and he talked about the early days of the Smashing Pumpkins in the start of the 90s, and some of the advice he was given that he ignored. Uh, he was told by, I think, uh, their former manager said, you write really pretty songs that girls like, and that's all you should do. And if you do that, you'll be very successful. Skip all this rock and riffing. You don't need any of that. So obviously, what does that mean? Rock, rock and riffing. riffing. I think it's a Joe Dolan kind album, of schmoozing possibly. and yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think he meant like don't do like grungy stuff that they would go on to do and make a career out of. But um, you know, there's there's a pretty dark side to this as well. He said that Billy Corgan has said that he was judged over his appearance early on in his music career. Um, he said for whatever reason, when I was younger, I was not considered good looking. And my looks were not part of anybody's formula. As far as the success of this band, it was never talked about. Photographers would try and stick me in the back of photo shoots with the band and put other people in front of me. Uh, oh. But now the vampire look is in, right? At the time, you know, people told me, like, that I wasn't good looking. It's not like I figured it out by myself. Uh, as if it was bad for my career. I had to make critical judgments, which is one, uh, it's not really going to stop me. It's not that important. And two, I'm going to be myself. If I'm a weirdo or a vampire or whatever, I'm just going to be myself. And now here we are, 20-something years later, and people all the time talk to me about the way I looked and how it influenced them. I mean, like, we hear all the time, and obviously for good, unfortunate, valid reason that, like, Women in the industry in particular are con- continually and constantly and have been forever judged in their appearance and fucking bullied into looking a certain way. Yeah. But it does happen to the guys too. And I guess Corgan, like, you know, who is a bit of a figure of fun, you know, we always, we, we often fresh him as a comedy miserablist on the show, but usually in the same sentence, we talk about how much of an incredible songwriter he was. But incredible. I think B- Billy Corgan does and did get attacked for how he looks, which I just don't see why that's fair in any way. Yeah. And, I mean, vampires yeah. were big in the 90s as well. Do you think he's kind of talking about the, like, going bald and rocking the, in fairness to him, he just immediately shaved it and I think has what you would now consider quite an iconic look and probably did a lot for that. But if you think early 90s, like, the ball look wasn't quite in for your kind of heartthrob rock stars, I guess. I guess yeah. that's probably what he's referring to. He kind of looked a bit like Jared Way when he had hair. Have you seen like early photo shoots of him? Yeah, very much so. Um, and also like, so uh, the song Ava Adore turned 23 the other week. And as a result, like the pumpkins put up a thing on their Twitter or whoever runs their Twitter and an excerpt from the video. And it made me go back and like, number one, kind of reappreciate how, just how incredible that song is. And also watch the video. And the video is really, really cool. And Corgan looks fucking amazing in it. But I could maybe at the time, you know, late 90s, who is this? I don't, I, I do remember famously, I think when he was having a beef with Sharon Osbourne, she referred to him as uh, that bald twat in a dress, which, of course, is a very yeah. Sharon Osbourne turn of phrase. Which, just so what, many groups of people being offended there. I about to say, like, it wasn't great then, and it's especially yeah. egregious now. Um, but yeah, I think Billy Corgan rules. He frustrates the hell out of me and has done and on the stage and off it. But I think he's one of those kind of like forces for good in the music world. It's better to have him and around. And also, I mean, you know, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness is one of the biggest selling albums of all time. It did not slow down his career. And I think, you know, I'm not sure how accurate his assessment is that people are constantly talking about the way he looked. I'm sure he got a lot of that, but 
was also kind of the personality and being a bit of a tyrant and you know all of that goes into the well, overall yeah, image I guess. And so on. do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. well it's, we weren't there thing. you know who knows we weren't I there mean, it was the 90s Buckaroo I, I think he's a good looking guy I also think Pusha T is a good looking man I think we, we like no argument yeah. there I think a very commanding this presence <laughs> this is what we call no, a no. link imagine we just kept going <laughs> <laughs> and now Dave's now list album <laughs> of men he considers attractive <laughs> in the music industry uh, alphabetically. So Pusha T uh, has said that he's been trying to write a kid's book for years but no publishing house will take him on. Uh, a fan told him on Twitter that Keys Open Doors which is a clip song uh, yeah. uh, was being Wonder interpreted what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was like apparently this guy was playing this song for his kid and the kid was like developing a different story on it but you know obviously it's about drugs Craig um, so Pusha T quoted this one and was like yeah I've been trying to write a kid's book for years they won't publish me and then a writer Keith Nelson Jr. came along and said it could be because of all the drug references push you know uh, you know such as using the word snow and Pusha T in response quote tweeting this guy threw out like what what would work I think perfectly as an incredible Pusha T lyric he just goes a simple metaphor can be the death of you which is great I was going right? to say he speaks in bars like <laughs> <laughs> Such a dude. I, I love him so I can, much. I can't imagine, like, surely he he deserves his own children's book. Like, he wrote, didn't he write the jingle for McDonald's? I think that's, that's about as wholesome future? as you can get, Jay. Is it? No, I can't remember. No, I think he, didn't he team up with Justin Timberlake for the whole ba-da-ba-ba? I think, like, a part of that is his. And he got oh, yeah, no, I think you might be right, it. yeah. I've just yeah. read that, like, Pitchfork every now and then throw out their old article about, like, who really wrote this? And there's, like, lots of different kind of claims yeah, maybe to that it's throne, urban, I, I presume. Um, but yeah, speaking of claims to the throne, Drake has a son called Adonis, who we heard of <laughs> thanks to Pusha T and his incredible fact-finding mission a few years ago, the story of Adi Don. Uh, and Craig, in the running order this week, has said that Pusha T is, in fact, for the children because he has brought a familiar union together. Do you want to explain this one, Craig? Yeah, so Drake um, was honoured as Artist of the Decade okay. at uh, the Billboard Music Awards um, last weekend, I guess. Yeah, it was on Sunday. Um, his son, Adonis, joined him on stage for the acceptance speech. It was a lovely moment and obviously launched a thousand memes of, like, you know, this image made possible by Pusha T. Um, but yeah... <sighs> Artist of the decade, it kind of makes sense, right, for Billboard Music Awards because he's been so dominant. I can't, you know, we can't get around the fact that he's had more hits than anyone, even taking into account the kind of streaming stuff. I think he's had more hits than the Beatles at this point, but he did his whole, like, this is my moment. I, I'm usually very critical of myself, but I'm going to take a moment to step back and um, offer up some life advice. And it's just so banal and beige and he rented out a 70,000 capacity stadium in Inglewood to celebrate like with his <laughs> close associates and they had like dinner on the 50 yard line and it's just so very very Drake well like one of his photos that he put up from it was um he captioned it with some like life lessons from Drake and <laughs> I'll, I'll now read it to you never show anger at slight tell nothing earn respect from everyone by deeds not words Respect the members of your blood family. Gambling is recreation, not a way to earn a living. Okay. Love your brother, your mother, your sister. Think harder about who you call your brothers and beware of loving any woman other than your wife. It's like, what is this shite? It's like Ten Commandments or something for a modern era. Man. But congrats to Drake. 
Yeah, congratulations, Drake. You're not the artist of the decade for me or Craig or the show, but no. hey, to some people you are. And finally this week in our breezy news section, it wasn't very newsworthy week, what can I say? Uh, the kids of rock and roll. Remember we talked a few months ago about Suspect 208, the band featuring the sons of members of Stone Temple Pilots, Guns N' Roses and Metallica, and we were like... What kind of future do these guys have? Turns out, not much. They split up already. Uh, Which I think, actually, Craig, is very, very rock and roll. Fair play to them. Yeah, it is. It's like they're doing their father's careers in just, like, fast forward. Like, just kind of, you know what I mean? Just rapidly going through all of it, except for the success bit. Yeah, I mean, we hardly knew Suspect 208. Even the reasons for the breakup aren't all that interesting. One of them is off to become a dad. One of them is just doing something else. just kind of wandered off. Yeah. Didn't turn up to rehearsals, yeah. Half released a couple of songs and got a few enemy stories out of it. Right, that's the news. Before we get on with our album review, it's time for our traditional episode-centric weekly plug for a show on the Head Stuff Podcast Network. This one's a comedy one, I think. Dublin Podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra-liberal lunatic headcase me, PJ Gallagher, doing our best to put a smile on your face. It's a midlife, it is literally a midlife crisis podcast. Start from next week, we'll have 10-15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week, which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting. Excuse me. And you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you'll find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant bonus topics material, and apparently. loads of great bonus material that isn't us, but stick with us too. Thank you. Okay, it's album review time. It's album spotlight time, really. I think there's a story with this artist. The artist is Olivia Rodrigo. She kind of exploded into the pop scene at the start of this year and is undoubtedly going to be one of the most written about sensations that we're going to hear about for some time. The album, which came out last Friday, is called Sour. This song is called Driver's License. You've probably heard it. Now you're going to hear it again. You said forever, now I drive alone past your street. That was Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, first surfaced back at the start of January and very quickly became a phenomenon. Uh, I guess before we get into Olivia Rodrigo and we kind of talk about whether she is in fact the organic next big thing of pop stars dreams or uh, a cynical industry plant, I don't know, it could be neither of those things. Uh, it should be noted that when it comes to reviewing albums on this show, I think Craig and I are fairly confident that we can review just about anything. But Every now and then, you know, it's probably better that we look beyond the two increasingly tired faces that we see uh, back and forth every week. (laughs) And uh, maybe like, you know, because I guess like the one thing Craig and I can't talk about, the one thing that Craig and I never were, we were never a teenage girl, Craig. So, I mean, like maybe we can talk to someone who was, you know, someone who's making her long awaited return to the podcast. Uh, She is a musician. She is a singer songwriter. She is a former colleague of mine back in the Joe.ie days. She is a Taylor Swiftologist. It is, of course, the astounding, the amazing Alice Kiernan. Welcome back to No Encore, Alice. Hello. Thank you so much. I, I am obsessed with uh, Taylor Swiftologist. I can't believe I've never called myself that before. <laughs> well, you know, it's um, it's my gift to you and it is who you are to me. And of course, there are lots of swift connections, I think, with Olivia Rodrigo. We can get into all that. And before we do, Craig Fitzpatrick will do his thing and give us an entire background primer on Olivia Rodrigo. 
Yeah, so I suppose if people don't know Olivia Rodrigo, they probably will know Driver's License. It was released in January, instantly became kind of massive hit. Um, it was the first single debut in the US to hit number one since uh, Lauren Hill, I think, in 1998. Uh, the first kind of like non-American idol female artist to, to top the Billboard charts in a long time. Did huge kind of Spotify numbers. There's a lot of um, quotes from the Spotify head honchos as well, talking about the the phenomenon that is Olivia Rodrigo, um, possibly kind of touching on your thing of like, is this all completely organic? I don't quite know. But yeah, it does seem like a bit of um, overnight success from an established Disney star. So if you don't know, um, Olivia's been working as a kind of TV actor for the best part of a decade, currently starring in Disney Plus's high school musical, The Musical the series, which I think is apparently quite knowing and it's like a mockumentary thing and it's probably very good. But um, yeah, there's a lot of that show and, you know, rumours around her kind of co-stars and relationships tied into this album, Sour, uh, which plays into the hype quite a bit. Um, but Olivia Rodrigo herself, um, California singer, songwriter and actor, as we said, been performing since the age of six. Um, she's kind of been in that Disney Plus series for a minute now. In terms of music, um, she's written for the shows. She cites Taylor Swift. She cites Lord, uh, Fiona Apple, St. Vincent as influences. And on this album proper, she's been working with producer Dan Negro, who has worked with the likes of Sky Ferreira previously, I think, Twin Shadow, a lot of people that would be right up our alley. She says of the debut that she wanted it to be super versatile, like her dream was to have an intersection between mainstream pop, folk music and ultra-rock. And she kind of loves songwriting, the lyricism and the melodies of folk music and the tonality of alt-rock. So that's what she's going for here. Did she nail that combination? Uh, that's a good question. I think it, it, it's, it's the way this album even opens up, like it's immediate that there's this kind of in the studio vibe, and then it cuts into this kind of, I suppose, Billy Eilish, Sky Ferreira kind of hybrid rock song thing. Then you get a bunch of ballads. There's a lot of stuff on here. Some of the names you've mentioned, um, and you know, me mentioning Billy Eilish there as well, where there's a lot for me of, you know, okay, you can copy my homework, but don't make it too obvious here and there. But um, yeah. I messaged uh, Alice. I messaged Alice during the week, and I just said, like, going to need your, your your take on Olivia Rodrigo. And I got sent back a six-minute voice note, which is kind of what I have come to expect from, from, from Alice, someone who pays attention to, to this side of the pop world. And again, the Taylor Swift comparisons from Rodrigo herself are writ large, and they're present in some of the songs. Alice, um, I'm, I think this is a perfectly, like, polished, perhaps too polished pop album. I think... All of the work is there. It all makes sense to me. The songs are clearly immaculately written and blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm struggling with her and I'm struggling with like, like I say, my cynical brain is very much locked into this just feels kind of like micromanaged and stuff to me. Uh, what was your kind of first reaction to her? And then having heard the album all week, and I presume you were listening to it from the weekend it came out, uh, what like what do you think of her in terms of the canon? Because it seems to me like she's kind of been already accepted as a huge star. Yeah, like, I am so fascinated by her before the album even came out. Like, I wouldn't say I'm, like, obsessed with her. It's, like, it's pure fascination about, like, I think even you could do an entire separate episode on TikTok and, like, that that influence into the music industry. And, like, I think even the fact that, like, her first three songs are all viral TikTok sensations. Um, 
but that's like 30 seconds of a song that has just like gone insanely viral. And like for ages, I never searched Olivia Rodrigo on Spotify, but I knew 30 seconds of her songs off by heart. Like I knew the beat, I knew the lyrics, I knew everything. Um, I totally agree that she's like this, just she has an incredible team. <laughs> like, like they know exactly what they're doing. Um, she kind of came on my radar because of my best friend's 18-year-old sister and then also my boyfriend's 18-year-old sister, um, which I feel like summarizes everything. Um, and I'm just so fascinated by her because there's so many layers to it. Like she she's she knows what she's doing in the same way that Taylor Swift knew what she was doing. She's writing for the 17-year-olds and for the 18-year-olds and will raise a generation the same way Taylor Swift did. So when I was listening to Taylor Swift at 18, she was writing for me. And now I'm 25 and Taylor Swift is still writing for me. And I think Olivia will do that same thing whereby she will like, it doesn't matter. I remember uh, Dave was like, you haven't convinced me to like Taylor Swift. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Did I say she, that? Like, yeah, you did. <laughs> sounds like something you would say. <laughs> that sounds like a, a yeah. lot to put on you. I apologize. And but, the tone um, and everything. That was, was spot on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. The, Guilty. It was the Lover album. You're like, I'm just not convinced. And I was like, she doesn't need to convince you. And I feel like Olivia is the same whereby like, she will just raise this fan base and that will be it. Do you know what I mean? She'll have that those millions and it doesn't really matter if she convinces people otherwise. But I think for people like me, and maybe you guys are the same, it's not that we like her. We just find her pure nostalgic. Do you know what I mean? Like I hear this 17 year old being like, my heart is broken, fuck you. And I'm like, even though I don't feel like that now, at 17, I was like, my heart is broken. Fuck you. And it's just like pure nostalgic. And I think even you've probably seen the comparisons with Good For You and um, Misery Business. I think it was Misery Business. Um, and I think even that it's like we're just purely being like, oh, my God, that's like when I was 17. You know what I mean? And everything is just like just everything about her is so nostalgic. Like I see like Avril Lavigne, like influences in her as well. And like the Paramore influences. Um and then like the 17 year olds are just experiencing like her lyrics and everything is like something straight from a diary. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think, I think that's what makes her likable to them. I don't think it's likable for us. Like, I feel like we're more, where's the heart, where's the metaphors, you know, like where's like the hard hitting lyrics. Um, and she's really lucky that she's such a good singer because mm. if you're such a good singer and you have such a good production and such a good team, it doesn't matter what your lyrics are going to be like. Yeah, I think... I don't know if I answered any of your questions. <laughs> no, I think that's fairly spot on. I mean, like, I think ultimately you're correct. Like, I mean, I think unless Craig and I, you know, we host a weekly music podcast, it's the biggest release of the week. I'd probably listen to it out of curiosity. I like pop music. I like keeping up with new music. But it, it's very clearly not built for me or for Craig. And even like, you know, uh, it's it's tough to try and separate that sometimes maybe and like it's perhaps unfair to expect an audience that this is aimed at to have any kind of reference point beyond like this is kind of maybe like the first pop star maybe a lot of people have listened to and the songs are basic enough in that regard the sentiment is as you say diary notes and yeah that's probably all it needs to be uh, it's interesting that you said she's a good singer I, I don't think she's not a good singer I just don't know how much of an entity is here because the amount of time she will do a particular vocal inflection that is just pure Lord or a Taylor mm. Swift kind of staccato thing 
or a bit of a Billie Eilish thing. There's just a bit too much of that for me. And I didn't come away from quite knowing who she was. And the more I heard the album, like the first few listens went down incredibly easy. You know, it's it's 36 minutes long or whatever. But like, it's, you know, it was working. I think a song like Deja Vu is pretty strong. Um, But like, the more I listened to it, the less I wanted to listen to it. Craig, what was your experience over the last few days? And again, of course, as noted, neither of us are experiencing teenage heartbreak. But, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm a very angsty person. So I feel like I, I fit right in. Yeah, I haven't changed that much from my teen years, you know, to to be levelling this kind of like, well, I'm not the target audience. You know what I mean? I could well be in this target audience. Um, I agree with you guys in terms of there's plenty to like admire here, like the precision of the writing, the kind of execution is very polished. Um, She has a great voice, but she doesn't quite have those idiosyncrasies that other great artists do or she kind of tends to borrow them like as you said she does that kind of like doppler effect thing that lord does where the voice trails off and it kind of works quite well but yeah um quite empathetic as a storyteller just enough self-deprecation as well to kind of get me through but yep a lack of metaphors as well i thought it's it's a really interesting concept for a debut record where it's like i think the guardian called it like gratifyingly undignified because it is Bar like the clothes are purely about this breakup. And um, I think for that, like it kind of commits a cardinal sin pop music where it, it, it wallows a bit too much for me. It never really gets fully uplifting. Do you know what I mean? It just kind of doubles down constantly and it does become kind of wearying for me. Um, so, yeah, like I'm, it was interesting to me that there was just not enough of those kind of upbeat songs. There was not enough kind of changes a pace in terms of tonally i thought it was getting a very different record from the offset because i think brutal is like a great opener i was kind of like knocked for six where i was just like okay she's doing some kind of like elastica connection thing this barrage of guitars um you know it opens with her want- saying you know she wants it to be messy but quite quickly we go into these slow tempo piano ballads and a few kind of bops and a few kind of like Avril Lavigne like also ran tracks I don't think there's like a skater boy here it's more the kind of the album track stuff and it just kind of continues in that fashion and without making too much of an impression on me I was just like yeah this is getting a lot of points in like the technical areas but it's really doing nothing for me and outside of like a deja vu and the opening I'm like I can't see myself returning to this uh, Alice, how did you find the narrative overall? Because, yeah, it is pretty much hinged upon this one breakup, I guess. And, like, you know, fair enough. This is her experience, valid or otherwise, or, like, accurate or otherwise authentic. Who knows? Like, you know, is it for the gossip columns? Is it real? Nonetheless, I think the details reflect that, you know, the, like, true heartbreak. And, again, these songs are going to be sung by love-struck teenagers the world over. Um, did you find that it ran out of road, Alice, or did you think she kind of saw it through all the way? Yeah, like, it's hard to be harsh on her just because she's a 17-year-old. And I know that's awful because, you know, like, you know, you look at Billy and you look at Lord, who had their debut albums at 17 as well. And I would hate to ever compare 17-year-old girls and their talent. But um, it is hard to be harsh on her just because the fact that she is 17 and she's clearly heartbroken. God bless her soul. <laughs> like, um, But I, I, that's what made it hard for me to get on the Olivia Rodrigo buzz at the start because I was just like, by the time Good For You came out, it's a bop. I do really like it as a song individually. Um, but just the fact that her first three songs had the exact same theme um, kind of bothered me. And I think as well, because I know so many young girls who are listening to her, I, I really just wish there was something empowering, something different, something 
more lighthearted in there rather than just like the kind of the fuck you narrative and even the kind of the, the dragging the other girl narrative and even the narrative of like, I think it's, it's her song Jealousy Jealousy where she just hates on herself for an entire three minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, I would just love, I, I, I really wish she would have a bit of self-love in there as well, like an injection of confidence in there somewhere. Um, and I think me and Dave were saying like, it's a, it's kind of funny because for like 10 songs, she's heartbroken and then just hope you're okay comes in. Someone clearly on the team was like, crap, we need another one. Like we yeah. need to do something else. And I just feel like I, like, it's funny, the first like five songs or so, even though they're the same theme, they're so solid. And then just once like Enough For You comes in, it, those slow ballads, it was just like, God, we're really sad, aren't we? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I, I think it felt even- to me like, sorry, that closer was just pure like crash test dummies kind of thing of just like these yeah. verses of like a cast of sad young characters and like trying to be universal. And I'm just like, this feels very workshopped compared to the rest of us. Yeah, it felt, it felt so weird. Like it was just, again, there seems to be, you can tell that there is just this team polishing everything up. Um, and I kind of, I kind of think like now, like the album is going to go number one, it's going to do really well. There's going to be millions of, I, well, millions of sales. Like I really don't think they need my advice in any way, (laughs) but, um, I think it would have been lovely as like a five, five track or something. Um, and just really solid, even though all those songs would be in the same theme, it would be five songs of heartbreak rather than 11. Um, and I just think that would have been a lot nicer, maybe. Uh, the closing track, yeah, I hope you're okay. I mean, I, I share the sentiment because to me, like, like, for, like, like on a basic level, it's a song about empathy and it's a song about her reaching out to perhaps a real person, but certainly a universal idea of, you know, young people who've been rejected for their sexuality and so on and so forth. And that's very important and it's very, very cool and it's great. And I believe her and it's people will hear that. No, it's very Sorry, boring. But, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, it's an incredibly boring song. And the song that precedes it as well, like Favourite Crime is a dud as well. But like with Hope You're Okay, it's kind of like that's a cool message to send out as a teenager to teenagers and preteens or whatever. Uh, and having a superstar do it is great. However, it just feels so tacked on. It feels like a bonus track and it does feel like we got to get our, you know, fucking like our, our, our big empathy song in. But the, but, but the, it's so jarring because literally the 10 songs, as Alice says, that precede it are so fixated on this one idea, this one theme. Like one song ends and she references a breakup and then the next line in the next song is it's been a month since we broke up. And it's like, OK, cool. Jesus Christ, this guy, like, what, what's going on? Like, Piece of work, who is, by all who is he? <laughs> Like out of this co-star, and yeah, he's a musician apparently. apparently. I wonder how his soundcloud. Is I wonder different. if we're going to get like a modern day Frankie and Eamon thing, like his oh album will come out perhaps. But I guess what I'm wondering is, Alice. I mean, like with regards to her kind of almost immediate ascendancy to superstardom, and as well the fact that, like you know, not to hammer the Taylor Swift point too often, but you know, we have you here, and you are a very, very committed <laughs> fan. Taylor Swift has endorsed her. You know, she has mm. said like you know this is my daughter or whatever the fuck and she's like oh that's my mom or blah 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 yeah. so it's so she is she's full on like passing the baton and being like you know you take care of this next generation I've seen some of the Stan accounts saying like Olivia Rodrigo is is concrete proof that the generation of, of musicians raised by Taylor Swift you know like like it's in good hands essentially it's way too early to decide what kind of career Olivia Rodrigo will have or how good or whatever she is at this point but do you see it? Do you like, I mean, like, why do you think that she has just become boom immediately? Yeah. So I think she is our redemption. Uh, bear with me as I explain this. Um, but I think I was kind of saying this to you, Dave, like, I think we 
for my generation anyway, we sat by the sidelines and had to watch everything happen to Brittany. We watched everything happen to Lindsay and Amy Winehouse and all them. We, and we watched it unfold. And then we were the generation that were obsessed with Miley and Demi and Justin and Jonas Brothers. Um, and we really like fueled their success and were like sold a lie. And now it's all coming out of how horrific their lives were. Um, and I think even with with Taylor Swift, like we were part of this just misogynistic media slaughter of her. And I feel like everyone is trying to like undo how much they either sat by and watched things happen, fueled the bad things happening or took part in the bad things happening. And I feel like Olivia is like our ticket um, out of jail. Do you know what I mean? For everything that we kind of did to the people that were her age. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like Britney was her age, you know, like even, I don't know if you've watched like the Demi documentaries, like Demi was her age. And I feel like we're trying to like recognize the youth now and like try to just undo the damage that we did and, and kind of like protect her. Like, I feel like we're aware of how bad the industry is now and people are just trying to make sure she's safe. <laughs> I don't know. But there's an she, interesting. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say well, there's an interesting. I was say, like, 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 is that fair to force it upon her? But go on, Craig. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like you know, is she Jesus Christ? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say it's interesting that um, she might be that kind of redemption. But Dave, as you said about like you know becoming so massive at the snap of fingers, um, like it's that instant success is kind of based on the fact she was signed to Interscope before the debut single came out, and she has this Disney backing and. You know, she's not really the independent artist that we might like to kind of elevate to that position. She's still within the kind of machine of the industry. And thankfully, it's an industry that's probably realizing, okay, there's transparency now and we have to do things a lot differently. And hopefully she's totally okay within that setup. But it's not really, it's still kind of the Empire. It's not the Rebels Mm. to get all Star. I don't even like Star Wars, but I just went there. Where did that come from? Sorry, Dave. (laughs) Jesus Christ, we are old. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, she's a very interesting character. Um, I don't know how interesting this album is. For me, like, it's like it's a 5 out of 10, I think. At one point it was a 7, then it was a 6.5, then it was a 6, and ultimately I think I'm going to go for a 5, because it just didn't fully hold my attention. It became quite repetitive and derivative the more I heard it. I think, you know, the highlights are quite strong. Um, I think Deja Vu is a really good song. I think Driver's License is a very good pop song, but even from the first time I heard it, something in my brain was like, I don't know, it's like fast food music or something where it's like this works now and then kind of the more I hear it, the less I, I'm into it. But through no fault of anybody really, or maybe just too much, you know, kind of cooks in the committee boardroom, it's a five out of ten for me, but that isn't necessarily a slam. Craig, where do you stand? Um, I'm inter- Just before I get onto my score, I'm interested to, like the driver's licensing, I'm seeing a lot of comparisons with video games, like a decade on from that coming out. And like, this is like almost like the same power ballad but this time powered by you know the xx and more minimalist um i was wondering what your relationship was with that single in particular and the moment of that because it was very reminiscent of video games and you were having you'd no truck with video games back in the day and were quite suspicious of land del rey at the time uh i think the driver's license is a more enjoyable song but it's also (laughs) (laughs) that's the moment i wanted (laughs) yeah i never got video games i never really will driver's license is homogenous as fuck but i like it alice what about you? Um, yeah, driver's license was it. It didn't click with me for a really long time. You know what I mean? And but again, I was on TikTok, so like again, separate episode on TikTok because I could talk about that for. We'll get there, I promise. Um, but like, I was just so done of scrolling and hearing red lights, 
next video, red lights, next video. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I couldn't listen to the song anymore. And I feel like TikTok is going to ruin more artists than it creates. Um, so I think that like that mm. oversaturated, and it, it happened with all three of her songs, to be honest, that oversaturated TikTok phase um, kind of ruined a few of her songs for me personally. So as regards the album, which you did manage to, you know, I guess, equate your attention span beyond 30 seconds, you have heard the whole thing. Uh, if you were putting a number on this out of 10, where would you go with it? Bear in mind that ratings mean nothing, but, you know, we do it on the show, if you want to. I'm going to give her a 7. Which, right. yeah, you just nod silently. <laughs> Sharp and take a breath from Craig over there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a 5 because it's just so middling, to be honest. Like, I, on my initial playthrough, it felt quite if not daring kind of forward thinking in terms of production and how literal she was being i thought it was quite freeing but actually the more i go back to it it feels like a very conservative american pop record like it's really doing very little new uh, i so think be a she five. is like the next justin bieber like i think it's that level yeah. of like young pop star kind of thing it, do you know what was interesting to me like there's very little hip-hop in this whatsoever like there's this it kind of marks like a sea change of like for about a decade, we've had pop albums that are just so influenced by hip hop as that just took over music. And now you've got this bedroom pop thing that's very based in folk and kind of American country. It's like the Taylor Swift thing. I wonder, is that kind of like pointing the way forward? Is kind of hip hop waning slightly in terms of mainstream appeal? I don't know. That's a different discussion, but that stood out to me. Yes, lots of discussions for another day. Uh, if we ever do get round to TikTok, Alice, I hope you will come back and join us for that. In the meantime, uh, thank you so much for, for lending your expertise. And are you, I guess, in closing on Olivia Rodrigo, I mean, are you, w- would you consider yourself a fan or anything close to it? Or is it kind of like you'll pay attention in the background and, you know, stay on the Taylor lane uh, as these things go? Can I just say that this is exactly the type of conversation Dave makes on a Wednesday morning at the desk? Like, like, I miss it. it. It's, it's the one thing I miss about that. I miss, I miss a few things about that job, but that yeah. was, yeah. I'm like, hey guys, let's not do any work. Let's talk about pop music. Yeah. Um, no, definitely still a Swifty. I think, I think, you know, Taylor Swift has done for me now like 10 years of maintaining a fan base. So it's very different to someone releasing a debut, a debut album who has this massive Disney backing. Um, am I a fan? I'll listen to her songs when they come out. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on the poster. <laughs> Sell the world tour. Okay, Alice Kiernan, uh, thank you so much once again. And we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Thanks so much, guys. Vroom, vroom. It's time for our top five songs about driving because of driver's license. You get it, as Craig said at the top of the show. A bit of a tenuous one, but I really enjoyed this one this week, Craig. So uh, why don't you set the tone for us, as always? Rev the engine, if you will. Oh, how many of these are we doing? Uh, <laughs> as many as I can think of. <laughs> it's songs about driving. It writes itself. Um, one watch out for me, and I'm sure it was watch out for you, Dave, because you're a very smart man, was there's a lot of songs that are kind of songs that we would be good whilst driving or whilst in a car, but they're not actually about driving when you look into it. A lot mm-hmm. of songs I came across like that. Sometimes the music videos as well. Like I was thinking of the cardigans. So My like, favourite yeah. game. Yeah, that pops. I also My saw, I saw like, um, I saw like, you know, a, a big mega list of like song, like songs about driving while driving, whatever. And like, <laughs> like song 11 was Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. I was like, what? What? <laughs> it was like driving a career driving off the Driving your ground. career off a cliff. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> 
Oh man, we could just keep, we could end the show note. now. Yeah, like like showmanship. We could just get out of here, George Costanza style. Yeah, I mean, like for me, uh, I've got a few like you know, as I always I like to play on the abstract. But yeah, there's this is a tricky one. You could easily um, veer off course if you know what I mean, Craig. <laughs> I, I do know what you mean, Dave. Um, I put a rule on myself. I decided not to go for acts that I had previously used because it would have been too difficult. So. Um, like sort of Smiths, there's like that will never go out. Um, not there, Prince, all that kind of stuff. I because I've been repeating myself quite a bit. I think so. I will endeavour not to do that this week. That's very big of you. I'm I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Well, why don't, you, why don't you kick us off? Oh, not for me. Okay, fine. Um, why don't you <laughs> strap in, listener, belt uh, up? Okay. Uh, I'm going to stop. And I've just, uh, I've I'm just gonna... realised, <laughs> I've also just realised there's an asterisk on this one because this artist has featured in one oh, of Well one. done. Bravo, mate. But Excellent. actually, actually, you know, we've discussed the artist before, but here he's away from the throne and he's in the driver's seat in his solo career. So it still works. Glad you corrected yourself, Craig. Jay-Z has popped up like five or six times in the top five, I think. Only on one of my lists, and it was okay. The Throne, for, okay. I think, for... Have you picked a lot of Jay Z? You've picked um, worst lyrics. I think I had him for had him for monster and worst lyrics. I think and I had I had just last week. I watched the Throne collaboration and probably somewhere else as well. He's someone that we talk about a lot. This is one of his, one of his most famous songs, though. For anyone who doesn't know the name of it, Craig, what is it? It's a big one. It's. <laughs> For it's anyone the big that doesn't one. know the name of this, I'm just saying 99 like, problems. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to be thorough, okay? I'm just trying oh, to be no, thorough. Because yeah, sometimes I freak out. Tree. Sometimes it's, I freak out that like the name of a song hasn't been said. And I know, I've caught, yeah. And I've caught you doing it once or twice well. in recent weeks and I'm like, Me? okay. Yeah, there was the Bowie song, Five Years. You never said Five Years. And then there's probably one other one as well. It's just, it's, you know. The clip has him bellowing five years. I know, Craig, but I'm just trying to, like, you said earlier on that, like, you know, like, you were looking after the listener's best interest. Well, so am I, you know? And, okay. you know, that's just how Artist, Jay-Z, song title, 99 Problems, producer, Thanks, Rick Rubin, yeah, album, it, it, the Black Album, label, look, look, Rockefeller, look, slash look, Def Look, 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 listen, <laughs> it's great audio. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Um, this is quite, you know, you, you might say we discuss them quite a bit. It's bracing to be reminded, I think, of Jay-Z's brilliance, um, his solo brilliance. I dipped back into 444 recently as well, and it's better than I remembered. Um, but this was very much the Imperial phase. It was uh, his retirement album. Do you remember that? <laughs> like 18 years ago now. And um, yeah, this is just such great kind of storytelling on his part. It's a bit of a departure for him where like usually he doesn't take on characters he's very much just in his own voice but there's that great interplay with him being the cop as well and you know still sounds very timely even if he's not the guy driving himself anymore but yeah i i just you know within hip-hop there's such a kind of legacy of um songs about cars car culture oversex hugely um you know you just think of the hydraulics working overtime and nothing but a g thing videos and let me ride could have been here um you know any number of songs it's quite this like american idea as well of like a machine that's both like 
a status symbol, but also like an actual tool for like transforming your situation. Um, I guess the nadir of all of that is like pimp my ride, but this is probably the high point where it's just like making a lot of great social points uh, within this genre of songs that are usually just kind of carefree anthemic stuff about like typical rap stuff but this is why he's so great right like i know we kind of lay lay the boot in quite a bit but he's probably is he the greatest rapper of all time and i don't mean the best rapper but in terms of like the overall genre and what he's done and what he means as a character for you know and his longevity he's got to be right up there and i think this is maybe the archetypal and greatest example of this genre of hip-hop songs one of the best tracks i think this side of the century Greatest rapper of all time is a huge question for another day. I can see the argument. Um, he might not be my go-to per se, but I think, yeah, in terms of legacy, impact, etc. Something to think about. I am glad, though, that you've gone back to 444 because I remember us disagreeing on the podcast. I remember us disagreeing in the pub afterwards. And I, I and of course, it got to a stage where if if the name Jay-Z came up, Craig would like just roll his eyes and get mad. And it was a whole weird There's thing. There's a lot of bad bars on it, but like, obviously, <laughs> um, uh, the production is fantastic, of course. And it's a lot better than some of his other recent stuff. It's listenable. <laughs> it's more than listenable. I think it's a great, it's a great like surveying the kingdom record, I think, ultimately. But yeah, Jay-Z's kind of professional retirements are up there with, with wrestling, you know, and people who say that they're retiring in a cage match on Sunday. And then, of course, they're back six months later. Who knows? Uh, my number five this week in songs about driving um don't quite have the same legacy as jay-z hit it adam gonna take off going to be a star when there's nothing left she gonna jump out of your car it's jump out of your car by igloo and hartley who i don't think we've ever talked about on this show and i took my opportunity to crowbar them into the top five craig is shaking his head um jump out your car head to be like we haven't spoken about them not yeah, we, it's, <laughs> yeah well i mean you could shake your head they are a strange band you might say anyone who's struggling to recollect uh, you might remember the song In This City, which was huge briefly, kind of, for a summer, around 2008-ish. And yeah. shirtless kind of, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers-esque, wannabe, whatever the fuck, like, LA lads. They're like, they're very LA, aren't they? Like, very LA. Like, yeah. they're basically LA, the band. They had one album, it was called And Then Boom, which is no longer on Spotify, even though they've made a weird comeback in the last year or so. Um I saw them live. They played Whelan's and it was really fun and also kind of bad because they're just, they're strange. Like, were they good? I don't know. But In The City was a bop, um, as was Violent and Young, which I think was their first single in the UK and Ireland. Uh, this is Jump Out Your Car and it's kind of, that's as far as it goes really for car metaphors. There's not a lot of car talk in this one. I am crowbarring it in. But I will say that musically, I think it does conjure up. And this is, a, a, you know, a video game I often reference, but like, pre this it does conjure up kind of a hotline miami thing like driving down the road neon soaked nighttime getting away from something that kind of feeling of of freedom that i can only presume craig that the open road brings you i wouldn't know but um like i say strange band um if you look at some of their kind of history they signed to mercury records put out you know their songs and when they put in the city out uh, it was identified as 
quote, an anthem in the making by an enemy blogger. This kicked off a massive tour, seeing the band play over 120 shows in a span of 150 days in 17 countries. Uh, in the City was a huge hit in Ireland. This one, I think, wasn't a single. It was like track 11. They played Jonathan Ross. They're a real flash in the pan. It was a strange thing, like, you know, uh, an instrumental version of In the City appeared on, like, Match of the Day's Goal of the Month at one stage. Um, there's some weird stuff as well, just like some weird kind of, uh, like notes on their Wikipedia page where it's like, you know, um, they banned were a polarizing force generating both glowing reviews and venomous criticism. Uh, they gained quite a reputation for their live shows playing both small venues and large festivals with equal intensity, passion and fervor. So it's like clearly written by a member of the band. Um, the people at one of their shows, uh, in their ripped jeans and tank tops, this is a newspaper review, Igloo and Hartley took the stage at the Firebird around 9.45pm. The people there witnessed a phenomenal show. Spin magazine included them in their Best of Bumbershoot Festival 2009 and called their performance absurdly successful. Is that a spin <laughs> blogger or? <laughs> I don't know. They played at the UCD Ball in Dublin, apparently, in t- 2009 oh, well, and 2010. Um, but there's a weird... Enemy gave the album a one-star review, right? Okay. And it's incredibly, like, violent. Like, it was very of the time. Uh, like, I'll give you the opening paragraph, right? And this is the kind of stuff that I just don't think would be published today. Someone called Rick Martin, presumably a pseudonym for a certain Latino superstar, uh, said, Are Igloo and Hartley for real? Are they a pretend gay LA surf rock in-joke? Nothing more than Andrew WK and the Chucka Brothers smeared in baby oil, jacked up to the eyeballs on amyl nitrate, doing Scissor Sisters karaoke? Frankly, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. Frankly, the truth will become apparent in a couple of years when they're either a gack fried shells of men whimpering in rehab, Justin Hawkins style, or b oh, laughing all the way God. to the bank with piles of filthy rap rock lucre. Uh, they didn't do b, and a is just kind of almost legalese actionable. I would say can't be printing that kind of stuff. Um, they were a weird throwaway kind of comedic band, I think, to a degree, but they had energy. I remember that Wheeland show being fucking awesome, and I remember chatting to them afterwards, Greg, and being. Like, hey, how's it going, lads? Like slapping oh, so hands, mates. Is that hugging it? them, and then I also remember <laughs> they. <laughs> And I remember they in their sweaty tank tops. No, they they, they put on one of them. They uh, they put on zip ups at this point, and okay. they were due to do an after show, a DJ after show at the Academy. The Academy, of course, now known for those <laughs> rib tickling, side splitting, hilarious social commentary signs they do every week. Man, I just don't know what kind of incredible ribald arch commentary we're going to have with each with, with each passing week. Not a but, fan. Uh, but I digress. Uh, I will say that uh, I said to the lead singer of Igloo and Hartley, see you at the after party, man. And he was like, you coming? And I was like, yeah. And then I got the bus home. And then they broke up shortly afterwards. Coincidence? Maybe. Um, Kind of novelty act for sure, I think. I do enjoy, like, you know, on that same trip, there's kind of like a yodeling aspect to the vocals or like a yelping thing of like the, which is good. There's hooks there. I'm not mad at it. I'm surprised it's in your top five, but uh, I like the kind of swerve. Um, And we're going to swerve on my number four now. We're going to get away from the US-wide expansive highways and we're going to go for some, like, indie European-flavoured stuff. Cross the city limit and head on down the M6. 
It's so Craig, <laughs> says Adam, and I agree. It's immaterial. Uh, sorry, it's it's immaterial. And the song's Driving Away From Home, um, Jim's tune. And I think this is filling my kind of new discovery remit that I um, had all the big talk about at the start of this section and then went straight into Jay-Z. These guys were kind of a one-hit wonder, but like the one hit was, I think, 36 in the UK back in the 80s. A great band. Um, they appear on a lot of those kind of, you know, lost classics lists. And um, they returned last year, I believe, um, Central kind of duo, and released the third album, which had been in the works since the early 90s. It was a real kind of Lee Mavers, The Laz situation where they just could not kind of get their act together. And was kind of some you know levels of tragedy in their lives and all it just everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong for these guys but um this was their moment it was from the debut album life's hard and then you die um and yeah i love this it's like you know it's got that bewitching voice it's more a song for you know the back roads the hedgerows the country drives at like twilight and like small communities super charming and i love that kind of lyric of like you know 30 miles or more it's like you're not really getting that far away from your home it's actually quite claustrophobic it's very kind of british um but i do like that kind of verse thing of you know it feels like it's almost instructive like the journey starts here like just get in and it it doubles i think as a song that would work well as you're driving i haven't road tested it but i'd say it works and to add to the (laughs) this is so craigness of it all their second album was produced by a dude that worked with the Blue Nile. Um, and a lot of gar- like Guardian comments were like, oh, this band were nearly as good as the Blue Nile and probably better than the Smiths. And I'm like, hmm, yes, yes. This was actually produced um, by Jerry Harrison of Talking Heads as well, just to tick that off. And they had a bit of a disagreement with him because... Um, they were talking recently and they were saying we had a bit of a to-do with Jerry. He wanted to make this a country and western record. And like, no, it's supposed to be very British. They started recording with Jerry and then had a word with the engineer. And in the evenings, they got another tape out and just did this version and released that once he'd kind of left. And a um, bit underhanded, but I think it was a success. Uh, I love how you just casually dropped Road Tested in there. Lovely work, as always. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I funny because, I mean, like, uh, th- these kind of songs, I mean, like, there is a sense of propulsive movement to them in a certain way and i'm trying to imagine myself while driving but of course i don't drive uh never learned just didn't really interest me i also don't really like being in cars it's not like a weird phobia but i just don't feel 100 percent safe. are we them. doing this top five <laughs> <laughs> because you suggested it and because it yields some interesting songs but what i want to say is um I do like a bus ride, though, and I like a, you know, like our train journey. I went home on a bus to my native Drogheda there last weekend, and I will say, it was the first time I'd done that in a long time, so, like, bus up and down, hour long or whatever, like, it is kind of a pleasure to just, like, turn off the world, look out the window and see things go by and, like, put on my fucking noise-canceling earphones. Uh, And this song sounds like it would fit right in, I think, you know? So, yeah, I guess it's a good choice. But, yeah, like I say, we don't drive. Uh, Number four for me... Um, if you thought the last song was obnoxious and a strange counter to what Craig had, well, have I got something for you. Here we go. I'm 
absolute nonsense. It's Motley Crue and it's Kickstart My Heart. Do you want to say anything before I get going, Craig? Shaking his head. Okay, not happy. Um, I will say that, look, listen, right? I mean, I'm not a Motley Crue fan. I think they're absolute scum. Um, Literally the only good thing about the Dirt film, aside from Machine Gun Kelly, who seems actually quite a capable actor... Uh, is the end credits because it blasts this song and I was like yeah it's not bad right and then it must be said uh, last Sunday and thanks again to Today FM's Ed Smith for having me on for the new metal special and people who tuned in it was a lot of fun but like great bef- appearance really yeah, really good I really enjoyed it but like uh, and it seems a lot of people did as well so that was nice um, but in the hour before the new metal era, um he played this song at one stage and both of us were kind of like I mean, yeah, like, they're absolute trash, but, like, you know, a tune is a tune, right? By the way, I, I tuned in early, and they were playing, he was playing Kiss, and I was yeah. just like, what is happening here? <laughs> it must be Kismet. Uh, Kismet. Kismet, yes, very nice. Um, don't get me wrong, Motley Crue are awful, but I think this is fun bollocks, right? As is Home Sweet Home, which is used to hilarious effect in what film, Craig? Oh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot is Tub that Time Motley Machine. Crue? Is that not Poison? Is it, Same oh, genre, right? Oh, yeah, Maybe no, I think it's poison. Is it, it is actually. Well, I think it's, all, it's all glam to me, Dave. <laughs> yeah, it might be poison. I do apologize for the one listener we have who's a hardcore fan of both. Uh, <laughs> this song, "Kickstart My Heart," is more about a drive for life, you might say, packed with car and motorbike metaphors, though. And the video is intricate with lots of NASCAR esque crashes. Uh, this came out in 1989, I believe, off the album "Doctor Feelgood." Went to number 27 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the states. And yeah, it's basically about Nikki Six having a drug overdose and being like, hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> and you get lyrics like, when I get high, I get high on speed. I think he means adrenaline speed, not the actual uh, amphetamine. Uh, I think he means speed, no? <laughs> Top fuel, funny car is a drug for me. My heart, my heart, kickstart my heart. Always got the cops coming after me. Custom built bike doing 103. And then it now, just hold becomes. On. Yeah. Is this the top five songs about? biking because i could have picked jay-z on frank ocean's biking well i didn't because that's a terrible verse but hang on hang on on. i was having this conversation with um my housemate richard chambers uh earlier on and he was like you don't kickstart a car dave and i was like yeah but motorbike you drive and he's like you ride ride no you so you don't drive a motorbike are you saying you ride it you don't drive it i don't really know what the technical difference is but i i would say Right. It's, it's all the same. It's an automobile. It's all about hitting that open road, isn't it? It's, it's an auto it's an automobile, roll. I think. Um yeah, look, I just decided to have some fun this week and it must be said, this is probably the only time I'm gonna say it. <clears throat> I think this is a good song by the band Motley Crew. It's crap, but fun, right? And again, it's hellacious. So you're flying down the highway and getting pulled over by the cops and ODing. It's a good time. Okay, for my number three. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of a laugh. It's time to get even sexier with these two blokes. No, not us. What a song. So good. So good. Deftones uh, from the album White Pony in 2000. Um, You've also got Maynard James Keenan there, of course, from Tool, Perfect Circle, 
other things. Um, I'm not going to say, okay, Pussyfur as well. And yeah, I just love, you know, particularly the way that song just revs off into kind of nowhere at the end. It's all about kind of shiny metallic surfaces and the music itself is just like that. Uh, the two voices are incredible. It's quite sinister. Again, like it's actually, you know, is it about driving? Is it about a car? Is it about something else? It's a great setting. Like just in general, I think motorbikes, cars are great. They raise the stakes, right? Like, if you're going to have an interaction with someone, better that it's on a bike or in a car than a park bench. Okay. Are you speaking from experience there? Or where is this? Where is well, this you narrative? write a song about it, you know what I mean? There's probably some great songs about park, park benches out there. I'm sure there are. Let us know. No, we'll find out next week. Top five um, songs about park benches. Um, so, yes, this is an incredible song by an incredible band, I would say. And um, I, love, I love the kind of mysteriousness of it. I love the kind of strange... Uh, Otherworld Intrigue, I'm trying not to reference Twin Peaks here, but, you know, it fits right in, I think, Yeah, maybe. there's kind of, there's something kind of s and about it as well. Like, it gets into kind of ballard territory of, um, as Annie did with her, her song American Cars last year. Last year? Yeah, it was last year. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting reading about the making of this song, because I didn't realise the extent to which Maynard really got involved in it and kind of, like, gave them a proper steer. And apparently this is just something he kind of does. Like, if he likes a band, he might just rock up to the studio and, like, Deftones were very appreciative of it, but they were like, yeah, he was, he'd be talking to us about, like, why don't you just, like, why are you playing these songs in 4-4? Let's just mix it up, guys. And he'd have, like, whiteboards where he was, like, marking out all the different directions they could go in. They had the instrumental to this. I think Chino was out and um, he just started singing on mic. Chino came back and he's like, oh my God. So they called him back in a couple of weeks later to kind of get him to put his lyrics to it and work with him on it. And just, yeah, absolute kind of lightning in a bottle, as they annoyingly say, I guess. But yeah, I just love the, the idea of him rocking up and being like, guys, I can help out. Like he's kind of taking on the the Rick Rubin role, I guess, but unsolicited. How did Rick Rubin not end up on our bingo sheet? I guess we probably have enough room for another one at some point. So we'll get there. Uh, stunning song. Absolutely incredible. I got White Pony on vinyl recently. Yeah. And it was a pleasure Looks to glorious. play it through and get to this song in particular because I know how much it means to you. And yeah, it's it's a standout. It's an incredible song from arguably a very underrated band. Maybe we'll have that conversation another time. But my number three in the songs about driving. Um, I, I feel like there's a bit more stationary here, but uh, we're going to go with it. He's got a brand new car Looks like a Jaguar It's got leather seats It's got a CD So before I had to give my little explanation of Jay-Z, I was actually going <laughs> to open up my top five with a joke about, here's Book Rogers. <laughs> here's Book Rogers by Feeder. <laughs> the compact disc, Craig, or a CD, <laughs> is a digital optical disc data storage format that was co-developed by Philips and Sony to store and play digital audio recordings. It was released in 1982, branded as Digital Audio Compact Disc. 
The format was later adapted for storage of data, known as CD-ROM. Several other formats were further derived from these, including write once audio and data storage, that's a CD-OR, rewritable media, that's a CD-OR-W, video CD, super video CD, photo CD, picture CD, compact disc interactive, and enhanced music CD. Now, we don't know what Grant Nicholas of Feeder, this being Buck Rogers, their big song, we don't know what kind of CD player he had, but we know that he was insistent on telling us about having one in this car. Uh, this song, of course, uh, is a Pixies ripoff of Monkey Gone to Heaven. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, and I should say that feeder frontman Grant Nicholas is keenly aware of this. As I may have mentioned before, when I saw feeder play at Oxygen 2008, uh, Grant Nicholas introed this song by playing it in slow-mo. And then it turns out he was playing Monkey Gone to Heaven. He sang a bit of it and he said, God bless Frank Black. So at least he's aware of it. I don't know if that gets him out of paying royalties or whatever. But um, Book Rogers, of course, was a science fiction fictional character created by Philip Francis Nolan. And this is kind of a tribute to that character, I suppose. Um, It was the first single to be taken from a feeder album by the name of Craig. Can you name it? Um, do, do, do. something to do with like hi-fi's as well was it no okay, you're thinking no, of you're thinking of a and hi-fi serious uh this was echo park um which i couldn't ah, yes. quite place either um yeah so it's more about a relationship so it's one of those life you know the movements of life the driving of life but to be fair if i'm going to be literal he's got a brand new car looks like a jaguar it's got leather seats it's got a cd player 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 and he doesn't want to talk about it anymore um I guess this leads me on to my next question. Are Feeder a good band? Is this a good song? I think this is a decent song. I think they're a bit of a slept on band. Um, they're good songwriters. They've done, they've kind of, they're a bit kind of middle of the road. Do you know what I mean? They write sturdy songs. Um, their albums are always pre- pretty good. Um, I, rem- I can't remember the name of the album now. Um, surprise, surprise. But a while back, they kind of went back to the roots and their kind of punkier roots and um, probably about seven or eight years ago now. And that album was fantastic. It kind of took me by surprise. I can't, like, this is of no use to the listener because I can't remember anything about it. But maybe dig into their extensive discography, find that album that I've given vague details about and maybe enjoy it. Well, hang on. Uh, When do you think it came out? I'm going to pull up their discography right now in real time. Probably 2012, maybe 2011. Was it called Generation Freak Show? Or was it called no. Albright Electric? Mm, maybe it was Albright Electric. The neither of those are ringing any bells. Renegades. Is yeah. that it? From 2009? Renegades 2010. Was Renegades. Okay. Check yeah, that out. Renegades. Uh, if, Check if, that if, out. See how accurate Glowing Craig is on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was a UK top five single. And uh, Grant Nichols was asked in April 2001, uh, edition of a feeder web fanzine, if he felt under pressure to deliver another radio friendly song in its guise. He said, not really. I think with the radio thing, you got to be really careful. At the end of the day, feeder's not a typical daytime time radio band but what we've done is that we proved that a guitar band a british guitar band and a band that doesn't have the profile of u2 or someone can still get into the top 10 it's possible it just seems to be that's always the big american bands who sort of dominate the top 10 a limp biscuit or whoever but saying that i think the whole travis and coldplay thing has been really good as a sort of stepping stone and i think people are getting fed up of seeing westlife and steps on the television i think that people are finding rock and real bands again and the market is currently so bombarded with pop stuff that 
where it's just quite refreshing. Rock never went away, but it never Get really got the, for that now. <laughs> it never really got the exposure. <laughs> Four years later, uh, he was interviewed in uh, Craig's beloved Q magazine, and he said he did not want to be remembered for Book Rogers. He said it's a throwaway pop song, and he's more of a dark songwriter. However, if it wasn't for this song, Feeder would not be around today. So there you go. Swings and roundabouts, you might say. Roundabouts for mo- cars drive, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I must say your CD breakdown at the top of that was um, on an episode where you said multiple times, that's a discussion for another episode. To get that extensive insight was just chef's kiss. Thank you. All right, for my uh, runner-up, um, I'm going back to American Highways. Well, I got us on a highway, I got us in a car, got us going faster than we've ever gone before. I got us on a highway, I got us in a car Got us going faster than we've ever gone before And I know Mercury Rev got us on a highway taken from Deserter's songs, which really revitalised, saved, launched Mercury Rev's career um, back in 1999, Summertime for Humanity. It was all popping off and this was the first single. It's probably the most immediate thing they ever did. Apparently, um, Jonathan Donahue had had this kind of just lying around for about a decade, not doing much with it, which I guess kind of typified their early career of like, you know, being avant-garde pranksters like he was in flaming lips for a time and um he kind of shared that mode of self-sabotage i guess and like you know late late period early 90s hippiedom um and yeah the band was kind of falling apart they were releasing stuff that was getting critical notices but just um was not selling whatsoever then finally they struck gold with this and um yeah it's just one of those would sound good on the road but there's a lot more going on uh i don't really know what it's about i love the imagery again we're kind of back to that ballard thing of like the danger of the vehicle itself and maybe the impermanence of life through this kind of journey and yeah the whole you know your eyes arrive they explode like two bugs on glass is just beautiful it also kind of seems like there's some lyrics there that suggest it could be a warning about like how you know our um adherence to automobile travel is actually killing the planet if you want to read that into it sure but i just like the melody it's gorgeous it's an amazing song a friend put it on a mix cd back in the day for me um Lovely. i miss that era always fun i interviewed jonathan donahue before for hot press it was for the quickie which we referenced several times in the show where it was a series so of much fun. template questions yeah like you know and you know how did you, he take to it he was great <laughs> but like, be, yeah <laughs> yeah but the, the template questions were like they're generic questions but they would always yield a good interview especially because i guess you'll be bringing them at a time when they're doing like 10 interviews for the thing and like they're giving the same answers over and over again so when you show up and you're like you know what's what, what's the drunkest you've ever been they're like what and then they'll give you an incredible story so and unfortunately it was always buried down in that little fucking box on the bottom of page 10 or whatever it was so that's a shame but he was great and weird uh, in, in that way that you would almost want him to be like the first yeah, question yeah, yeah. is where are you now and what are you doing and he was like i'm out hiking and he was and he was just like milling around and then at one stage apropos of nothing he just paused and then shouted and said something like the Wicked Wanderer of the East. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. And I just like took it in and went like, I went, is is that 
you? Is that one of your nicknames? And he went, <laughs> I guess so. And I was just like, who the fuck am I talking to? Like, this was is... it in relation to anything? No, Could it wasn't in relation. Bring together? No, okay. not, not whatsoever. Um, but it was good. He was very friendly, very amiable and interesting and obviously a bit eccentric. And it speaks to a song like this. I think this is a timeless classic, Craig. Amazing, amazing choice. So my okay. runner up this week song is about driving. Um, I'm going to get a bit literal now. I've been dancing around it. So let's actually get on the road. all those people out there who say that I don't listen to any music made before 1990, I give you 1964 Radio Bop Dead Man's Curve. He's by- done it. <laughs> He's done it. Roll credits. <laughs> by Jan and Dean, uh, an American rock duo, William Jan Berry and Dean Ormsby Torrance. Uh, very Beach Boys, kind of California sound, vocal surf type stuff. Dead Man's yeah. Curve. Uh uh, if you read the synopsis, it's not too far off that infamous Wikipedia regulate one. The, the premise, the singer goes out for a leisurely drive one night in his Corvette Stingray when a driver pulls up alongside in his Jaguar XKE and challenges him to a drag race. According to the song, the race starts at Sunset and Vine, travelling westbound on West Sunset Boulevard, passing North La Brea Avenue, North Crescent Heights Boulevard, and North... It goes on. It just fucking goes on. Basically, it's about uh, young, you know, I suppose, very Scooby-Doo-esque, you know, photogenic American teens in their cars that probably weren't very safe at the time, challenging each other to drag races in dangerous parts of the uh, coastal United States. And eventually enough bad things happening that one of these places gets called Dead Man's Curve. And it's kind of one of those, you know, wonderful sunshine, but also quite tragic, melancholic jams that I suppose are very of the time. And a time, as has been established, I'm not that familiar with, but I do know a good song when I hear one, Craig. It's vibey. It's a whole. It's a whole world, isn't it? It seems very alien to us. I think, like you know, we are maybe two exceptions at like not driving whatsoever. But I think in Ireland in general, we don't have that kind of US culture where it's such a vast expanse that you kind of have to get a driver's license at sixteen. You know what I mean? People are just you're just every kind of US. Teen comedy or whatever, everyone's rocking up to high school in cars. I know that isn't the case for all uh, Americans, of course, but it's very much built into the culture and it just kind of lends itself so well to songwriting. This is great. It's very Beach Boys, um, which is always a good thing. Yeah. And a um, good choice. I'm, well, I guess I'm proud before you, Dave, well, 1964. Th- <laughs> I'm, 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 thank you, Emily. Like, like I, I do try, I need that injection of, of pride from you every now and then. Otherwise, I just can't keep doing the show. Uh, you make an interesting cultural point, though, Craig. Why is it that you think that you and I, for example, haven't ever become car people, you know? Like, I just don't um, know. I, I, I guess for me. Probably the fantastic public transport system. Yeah, it has, that's country, what I was going to say. Honestly. Yeah, I think, if anything, the Green Party in particular have revolutionized the way that we yeah. move in this country. And well, who needs a gas guzzling car, yo? Not me. It's expensive as well, you know? Um, we're men of the future. And with that in mind, let's skip ahead to my number one. And this is a subversive banger. Who better than MIA? I'm 
Yeah, that's Bad Girls, M.I.A., uh, taken from Tangy, which I think was her <clears throat> 2013 album. Um, not really up to speed with the first or second, or not on the same level as the first or second albums. Uh, she kind of dropped off a bit, but I think this was recapturing former glories. And yeah, very much kind of taps into that thing of like the Middle Eastern influences. Uh, the syncopation is just fantastic. It really works with the kind of themes of the song. Um and the reviews at the time were like, yeah, she's kind of back to doing what she does best. It's kind of evidence that if she wanted to, she could just write pop banger after pop banger. I did see some of the kind of critical um, opinion at the time was like, okay, she's just doing a bit of a party anthem and it's not that deep, um, which I would totally go against because, you know, if you've seen the video, um, it was shot in Morocco. It's in solidarity with the um, Women to Drive movement, which was basically trying to get that ridiculous Saudi Arabian thing overturned where like until I think June 2018 it was the only country in the world where women were forbidden from driving so she kind of tapped into that culture it was about you know we've talked over the course of this top five about the the sense of freedom and um, the status symbol and the kind of the metaphysical elements of being able to drive I guess and you know why it should be maybe an inalienable right and um, it's really cool just to kind of go okay even if this is a bit of a um bubblegum pop song that's just about like the kind of giddy trills of driving shouldn't that be something that like women in the middle east can experience too um so it just works on so many levels which her best stuff does and i think it's right up there with our catchiest stuff it's great it also passes that kind of pop banger test of making you feel 10 feet tall when you when it comes on yeah i think it's aged well as well um yeah. mia is an interesting artist i think there are times when she can frustrate but she's also kind sure. of maybe an unheralded genius perhaps i would highly recommend anybody who hasn't seen it uh the documentary from three years ago which is called matangi maya mia it's like an hour and yeah. 40 minutes it's on netflix right now i believe uh really good documentary like really kind of good all access about her her upbringing her background the conflicts she has in her personal life and her professional life uh, i found it very compelling i find her very compelling i think that she hasn't fully done it for me over the course of an album i'm not sure she ever will but i think that there's enough incredible unique individual standout moments there to really support an artist who probably doesn't get enough respect and this is definitely one of them i I think i didn't like this at first but it did grow on me and it is i was very happy when i heard a play there craig very nice choice she's great yeah i think i think there's other artists that have built on what she's done and maybe had more success or kind of used she's a bit of a trailblazer for sure and i agree there's been patchy points to her career and she can kind of frustrate but um this is absolutely bulletproof okay i'm really interested to see what your number one is dave because i've I've got a a deep fear that you're not going to pick what i think you're going to pick that i left yeah, off because like dave i know I, 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 <laughs> no, I, I think i think we've had the same problem um okay i we I, there's a couple of heavyweights that didn't make it uh, as a result uh gary newman's not here um and the cars <laughs> well, aren't okay. here either drive so, yeah yeah well, that's I, an amazing the, the song. Car, drive kind of it's not so much about driving is it we could have that debate yeah we could i <laughs> was gonna buy the cars though I yeah know. see like, I, th- I thought it was a double qualifier i was gonna put it in and i know that we talked on no oxcord recently about that amazing deftones cover of drive which i think is absolutely stunning but yeah. i thought you'd have it i thought you might have gary newman as well so in the end um i'm going for an act that have been mentioned right. a few seconds ago
That's right. Amazing. It's, it's Deftones. And it's uh, Be Quiet and Drive, open brackets, far away, close brackets. Um, very similar, I guess. This is taken up from their second album from uh, Around the Fur. And it was the first single that ever charted on the US charts, peaking at number 29 on the mainstream rock charts in the US. It, it got to the top 50 in the UK as well. Um, I think it's amazing. I think it's every bit as interesting and mysterious and different and dark as Passenger, the aforementioned one that Craig had in his list. And it was a tough call this week, but then I was kind of like, yeah, look, I think it needs the heralded moment. I think we need to get it in there. I think Deftones are a band that I'm actually beginning to enjoy more now than I did then. I think they might be a case of being quite a severely underrated act as well, despite being quite big and very well known and very well respected. And, you know, we've had the whole are they, aren't they new metal conversation, yada, yada. But I think that they're a really, really impressive band, quite unique and singular. I like Chino's lyrics quite a bit. I mean, you know, he's an indulgent kind of guy, especially with his numerous side projects. But I think a song like this is just, it's head-spinningly great. Um, What did you, what did I not pick that you're upset about, by the way? I thought you were going to go for Midnight City. I thought we were going to get some M83. Uh, and it was it was in my kind of shortlist and I was like that, that's taken care of it's grand can <laughs> like I it, it's also that kind of genre where it works obviously that's a literal song about driving through a city but like it's in the same thing of like people might be surprised that I didn't pick any Johnny Jewel stuff like there's no chromatics it just is that universe that we kind of reference so much that seems custom built for driving songs but maybe we've just talked about it too much yeah I mean Midnight City it's funny because like obviously I love M83 I do love Midnight City it was their kind of kind of a turning point song for them arguably towards not a great place in terms of where they've been since then but Midnight City is an all-time banger uh, for whatever reason, I didn't think of it. I just don't necessarily associate it with driving, probably because I don't drive. I don't know. Well, but like Dashboard by Modest Mouse just popped into my head, and like, damn it, I had <laughs> so. I, I I had Dashboard by Modest Mouse in my kind of uh, in my kind of long list, and I was like, I I had Modest Mouse two weeks ago. Maybe it's too soon, and then I kind of fought against that. I was like, it's an incredible song. Maybe I should throw it in. Uh, I thought about Fuel by Metallica. I thought about. Uh, uh. I Am The Highway by Audio Slave, you know? Um, it, it, I think that there's lots of scope here. It's a strange one. It was a weird top five. I swear we're not running out of ideas, but I should say, because I never say this. I, I felt just, like that was that was a big one, right? Because it's just such fertile ground for writers. I mean, as we've just said, like, there's so many options out there. Yeah, I think so. And I sh- But I should say, because I never say it on the show, but, like, if anyone wants to get in touch with some top five ideas, please do. It's uh, noencoreshow at gmail.com. It's at No Encore yeah. Show. You can get us on Patreon.com slash No Encore. There's a direct patrons line there get as for well. Shout. <laughs> patrons, yeah, patrons get uh, special privileges of being able to DM us, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, let me ask you this question in closing, though, Craig. Has this top five it's made you... It's just a question, right? Not a quiz. It's just a question. It's just a question. Okay, okay. So you can't put that on your bingo card. Go ahead. Um, has this top five made you want to drive? It has actually. I was just thinking that this week. Like, I, it was something that, like, over lockdown, I was like, I, sh- I really need to. Because anytime restrictions kind of are slightly lifted, it's never quite enough for me to, like, as someone that has to deal with public transport and stuff, I'm quite beholden to other people going long distances. So, yeah, I felt quite. It's the first time I felt the kind of lack of independence, I think that not having a driver's license has so this just reinforced i think what about you nah man i like the romance of the bus all right that was no encore <laughs> songs about driving edited episode edited wonderfully as always by sonic architect adam shanahan thanks once again by the way to alice kiernan for joining us for our olivia rodrigo review we'll be back next week with another episode 
Uh, top five undecided. Maybe jump in and let us know. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. He has been Craig Fitzpatrick, and there will be no encore. Have an amazing weekend. I believe they're lifting restrictions left, right, and centre. Let's go nuts. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.